Hi, everybody. How are we doing, 1045? Everybody good? People are more awake at 1045. We're excited. We're ready to go. I like this. I'm Josh. I'm the high school pastor. Uh, stoked to get into God's Word with you guys this morning. Uh, I've noticed over the last couple of times, uh, they put me up to preach just like the week after we get back from Agape Tour, and that means a couple of things. Number one, that means that my brain is like just on the verge of recovering from Agape Tour. But number two, it means that I've got some cool stories from what God did on tour, so I want to share one with you just as we get started. Um, we, uh, we were staying down at North Coast Church in Carlsbad uh, in the San Diego area, and we went to their Saturday night service, and uh, afterwards, we had some things planned with the students. Uh, I actually took a couple of our guys out to take some trash out to the dumpster out back, and we look up, and we see this epic rainbow. Like, no joke, the boldest and brightest rainbow I've ever seen in my life. We've got a picture of it. That picture does not do it justice. It does not do it justice. It was incredible, absolutely unreal. So we go inside, we get everybody, we all head outside, and it's funny, I don't know why, but a rainbow like this, like, just gives you, like, energy, this crazy fun energy. And so we're out there, and... Uh, that energy comes out differently in boys and girls. The girls like turned into little like models and they're like taking their selfies and like putting on their faces and all that. And the boys just turned into like animals, right? They're just running and jumping and crazy and screaming. Uh, just funny to see like the difference of how that emotion comes out of both of them. Anyway, so we're like taking our photos, doing our thing. We turn around the other side of the sky is this amazing uh, sunset, super beautiful, really cool. Everybody starts making their way back inside. And uh, I had a student stop me, and he said, Josh, can we talk? And uh, at this point, I figure my man either is having some serious, like, girl issues, or the Lord is doing some work. It's funny, like, I didn't know at the time. They kind of looked the same. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Lord is, like, just doing work on my man's heart, and uh, just starts talking and telling me about his life and saying how, like, he's grown up around the church, and, uh, but doesn't really, like, hasn't really had a relationship with God, and uh, is kind of struggling wrestling through, like, is God real? Um, all that. Just talked about just, like, some anger stuff that he had in his heart. And uh, it's crazy. He said, Josh, I was just in the service for Saturday night service, and he said, during the second song of worship, just something came over me. Uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, something just came over me, and he's like, I didn't know what it was, and I just started talking to God, and I just said, God, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what this is. I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, God, like, I, I want you, if you're real, can you just give me a sign? And an hour later, we go outside to this thing, and uh, it didn't even rain. It didn't even rain. Just the craziest thing. It was cool to, like, process through that with him, to pray for him, to hear him pray, and just, like, surrender, and just, like, have his hands open to the Lord and just say, God, I want you to surrender to you, Jesus, for the first time. Um, just so cool. Um, we went in, and we... He told the story to the, all the rest of the students as we were gathered up, and it was fun. Everybody's just jumping around, screaming, chanting, Jesus, Jesus. It felt like a, a celebration of heavenly proportions. It was really neat. Uh, just cool to see the Lord working and moving, even in our students' hearts as we go out to minister to others. Um, just a really, really great week. I uh, thought that was a fun story to share with you guys as we get started. Uh, it's cool how God uses nature, how he uses creation to speak to our hearts. Is anybody out there connect with God through nature? Any, who, yeah, a bunch of you, right? Pretty neat. Uh, today, the parable that we're going to look at, the, uh, Jesus uses a really cool illustration from nature 
I'm excited to dive in with you guys, but first, let's pray. Dear Lord, um, God, I'm just thankful for uh, a chance to be here, 1045, opening up your word, shouting praise to you. Uh, Lord, thank you that you pursue us. Thank you that you give us what we need when we seek you with our whole hearts, Lord. Uh, You're not far away uh, that you come for us. Um, Lord, we love you. We're thankful for a chance to read your word, for it to shape us, to mold us, to change us this morning. Uh, We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, if you guys would open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 13. We are in our summer series going through the parables of Jesus. And if you were here two weeks ago, Pastor Scott explained a parable is simply a fictitious story used to make a spiritual point. Uh, Today, we are looking at the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. Um, And I chose it, to be honest, because in the past, historically, and it continues to be presently, Uh, a super convicting and challenging parable in my heart and in my life. Uh, And so when I was originally asked, Josh, pick a parable to speak on, this is the one immediately, just immediately off the top of my head, first one that came to mind. And because I'm just being real with you and honest up front, uh, it's a little intense. Um, And so because of that, I kind of had this moment of, Lord, do I have to? Like, is this the one? Can can we figure something out? I'll pray and like, we'll figure something else out. And as I continued to just come back to the Lord, he kept on pointing me here. And the icing on the cake was Adrian asked me to speak in Camp ABF. And uh, one of like the main spots that she needed filled was this one. And so I was like... All right, Lord, let's just do it. Let's just do it. So here we are, Matthew 13. I hope you're excited. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I love the setting uh, of this parable, okay? So Jesus, he goes down by the lake. He goes down by the Sea of Galilee, and it takes place down here. I've got a picture for you. This is Lindsay and I in front of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, pretty neat. I heard that two weeks ago when I was on Agape Tour, Pastor Scott showed almost this identical picture except with himself, which is pretty funny. He was there too. So uh, it's neat because I genuinely uh, see this being a pretty darn close to the exact setting of what it would have looked like. See how smooth and calm the water is, the rocky beach. What happened was hundreds and hundreds of people came to hear Jesus talk. They just kind of started flooding in. I would imagine there were so many people that he couldn't have shouted loud enough, right, to to catch everybody. So what he did was he hopped in a boat and he paddled out just a little bit out onto the lake so that he could speak to him. My parents, they they have a house on a lake And so when we go over there at night and we sit out on the back deck, when boats drive by, we can hear every single word that the people on the boats are saying. Every single word. We hear some super interesting things. Um, But you can hear every word because the lake acts as a natural microphone. Um, It's interesting that the creator of the universe knew how nature would respond. And so he paddles out so that he can speak and everybody can hear gathered around on the shore. Uh, I did this with the the Camp ABF kids, and I'm going to have you do it too because I think it's helpful. Would you guys just close your eyes for a second? And I want you to visualize. I just want you to be on this beach, okay? You're on the beach here at the Sea of Galilee. The water's nice and smooth. Jesus just paddles out, and he's about to tell this amazing teaching. It was at this point that I decided to bust out a super soaker and spray all the kids with water. Uh, You can open your eyes. I'm not going to do that today, this morning. You're welcome. Um, But 
And it was perfect too. Like I had them all quiet. You know how peaceful and calm you all were? Like I had the kids there too. And then it was just mayhem. Just absolutely terrible idea. Um, all right, so you get the setting. You're sitting, you're standing there on the beach. Jesus pushes out. He's about to start sharing this story. And it goes like this. He starts talking about uh, this man who's sowing seeds. And at first you might think that the story is about the man or the seeds, but it's not. The story is all about the different types of soil. Now, this is going to be helpful as we kind of walk through the story, but the seeds in the story represent the word or the kingdom of God, represent the word of God, the Bible, represent uh, the word of God, Jesus. Jesus is the word. Uh, even though he had not at this point yet fulfilled us sitting here today, this, the seed absolutely represents the good story, the good news of what Jesus did for us how God's perfect standard was too high for us to meet, how we were dead in our sins, each and every one of us. We're all dead in our sins, but God decided to make a way. He came down in the form of Jesus who lived a perfect life. He died so that he could be the sacrifice for you and for me, wiping clean everything wrong that we've ever done. Um, he raised from the dead and he made everything right between you, me, and God. That is what the seed represents here as we continue on in our story. The soils, the soils represent human hearts. The soils represent us. Uh, different hearts in relation to what we do with the good news of Jesus and what we do with God's word. And that's what this parable is all about. There's four different types of people in this world. How do we react to God's word? How do we respond to the good news of Jesus? All human hearts are either like the path, rocky ground, soil with thorns, or good soil. Now, as we're going to see, the first three, those first three can absolutely have spiritual experiences. However, only good soil represents the heart of a true believer. The whole point of Jesus telling this story, the whole point is that um, genuine faith is evidenced by life change. Genuine faith is evidenced by life change. You can't truly surrender your life to Jesus and then go on living the way that you want to live, living life for yourself. That's the whole point. My hope for today is that we use this passage uh, as a mirror to our lives. My hope is that it's kind of one of those spiritual checkpoint days where we just stop and we evaluate our own hearts God, what type of soil am I really is kind of the question of the day. Lord, if I'm being honest, if I'm being real with you, what type of soil is my heart? Um, I said it would be good for us to use this as a mirror, um, and my hope is that we don't use it as binoculars, okay, a reflection of our own hearts and not binoculars looking at, oh, I know what type of soil they are. I know what type of soil they are. Um, but just a reflection and an inventory of our own heart. You guys ready? Let's dive into this thing. The first group of people is like the path. Verse one, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told to them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Do we have any hikers in the bunch? Who likes to hike? A number of you? Okay. Who hates to hike? Okay. 
Figured there's some of you too. Uh, so we took our high school students on a hike this past Wednesday. We went to Wildwood Trails and T.O. We hiked down to Paradise Falls. Beautiful down there. It was great. Um, the path, and if you do any hiking around here on the dirt trails around, there have been hundreds, thousands of people that walk on those paths. Those paths are so beat down and so compact. If a seed were to fall on that path, there is no way that seed is getting down into the dirt to be able to grow, right? Um, Jesus tells us here, when a seed falls on the path, a bird comes, snatches up the seed, and takes it away. Now, that doesn't have any huge spiritual significance for us, right? Uh, however, fortunately for us, the, the disciples were kind of knuckleheads and didn't really have it figured out what he was trying to say either. So he explains, look down to verse 19. Jesus explaining what happens, uh, what's going on here with the seed on the path. He said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. When someone hears the teachings of God's word, when someone hears about the good news of Jesus and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and takes that what was sown, takes that away. I was thinking about it for us, if you're a follower of Jesus, hopefully this gives us an incredibly soft heart for unbelievers. Um, sure, there are those that uh, are directly and completely opposed to anything with Jesus and just put up the walls and want to have hard hearts. However, I think from this scripture, it's very clear that for some people, it just does not click. It just doesn't click. They don't understand. Um, one of the best things about being a high school pastor is seeing those click moments for students, um, seeing that, that time when the light bulb goes on and it finally starts to click and make sense. But what we're seeing here is that for some people, that click moment just doesn't happen. Satan, the evil one, comes and takes that away. Uh, I think this should absolutely remind us of the reality of the unseen spiritual battle that's going on behind the scenes. Um, so me personally, uh, I'm hesitant to blame things on Satan um, if you've been around church or if you've grown up in the church, you probably know that person um, who blames everything on Satan, like every bad thing that happens, like it's Satan's fault. Like that's definitely Satan's fault. Stub my toe today, pretty sure Satan was behind it in some way, shape, or form. Um, I know that's a bad example, but you know that person, right? You laugh because you know that person. Um, so I, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's clear Satan is not directly involved, not directly responsible for every bad thing that happens here on this planet. However, however, if you're like me, I'm just being real uh, because I, I don't know why, but I am more hesitant uh, to blame things on Satan. And therefore, I think I probably swing too far the other way of not being mindful enough of the very real spiritual battle that's going on behind the scenes for people's souls. Um, I, uh, I met a guy on tour at one of the locations that we were at. He grew up in the Church of Satan. Um, both his grandfather and his father were warlocks in the Church of Satan, and his mom was a witch in the church. Uh, it was crazy. It was absolutely wild. I sat there for probably a half hour and just heard his story and just like heard how he had interacted with um, 
just the supernatural and just seeing how um, the spiritual realm, for lack of better description, was just kind of opened up and he just saw things for what they were because he was in it. Um, stories like he was holding a cross and Satan was pleading with him for him to just release the cross. How angels had stopped him physically from doing things. Crazy to see his interaction with the very real spiritual realm that's uh, behind the scenes that's easy for us to just not think about. Um, one of the craziest stories I'd, I'd ever heard for sure. Um, in regards to this parable, my, my, my thought is, is this for a number of different groups. Um, if you're one of those people where the good news about Jesus, if the things about Jesus just hasn't clicked and it just doesn't make sense and you just don't have that click moment, that's quite all right. Um, man, my ask would just be to keep on pursuing, just keep pursuing truth, keep looking, keep investigating. Um, I know it's probably weird to hear about like this spiritual battle going on for your soul. And I get that. That sounds weird. Um, but my ask would just be continue just seeking. Just seek truth. Don't give up. Just continue to seek and figure things out. Um, secondly, for those of you that are sowing seeds, for those of you that are sharing God's word, that are sharing the good news about Jesus with people around you, man, there's got to be an emphasis on prayer. Like there has to. Um, I've been, uh, I think I've told you about this student that's been coming around, an agnostic student in our high school ministry that I've been meeting with and just like having conversations with. And this is probably the biggest thing that I took away this week as I was just studying and in God's word this week is just the importance of how desperately I need to be on my knees before the Lord, lifting up this young man as he's trying to figure things out so that the evil one doesn't come and snatch that away. Um, I think that's a good word for us this morning. The second type of human heart is like rocky ground. Look at verse five. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. All right, so this rocky ground is not soil with a bunch of just different little rocks in it. It's not. It's a, it's a firm layer of rock. Jesus would have been referring to the limestone in the area. It's a firm layer of limestone rock with a very thin layer of soil on top of it. Okay, the soil would look great on the surface. A seed could penetrate into the soil, start growing into a plant. The plant could look great on the surface, However, if you look underneath, there's a whole different story. Because there's no depth, there's no availability for roots. And because there's no roots, when the sun comes up, the plant gets scorched. It's not hard to understand what's going on here, but Jesus still explains the deeper meaning. If you look down at verse 20, he says this, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Unfortunately, I, uh, I think this is a little too familiar of a story. I don't know if it's just me, but maybe you've heard some stories that really echo that. Uh, I was thinking of a young woman who started coming around a few years back. Uh, she came and on the first day was convicted by God's word, heard the good news of Jesus, gave her life over to Jesus, uh, agreed with that, uh, was excited, and life just happened. 
I don't know the specifics of what happened, and I guess I shouldn't. I'm, I'm going to give this disclaimer multiple times throughout, uh, as I am far from the judger of soils or hearts, and I'm not trying to put myself in that position uh, this morning. Um, I'll say that a number of times, uh, so much that my wife will be uncomfortable with how many times I give you that disclaimer. Um, But uh, it's hard for me to look at a story like that and not see rocky ground. Um, According to our passage, I would say the best description of rocky ground is a shallow spiritual experience. Uh, I love that even the passage doesn't discount the very real emotions, doesn't discount even the joy that comes. Uh, Because think about it, if you've ever had an experience with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, like there's very real emotion and joy involved in that. However, what our parable is saying, if that's it, and there's no roots that go down deep as a result of that experience, rocky ground, what's going to happen to that plant after the sun comes up? Um. That tribulation or persecution that arises on account of the word, right? I want to emphasize that tribulation or persecution on account of the word can either be external or internal. Now, external persecution, I think, is kind of where our minds go immediately when we think of external persecution because of the word. When that college professor, when that neighbor, that coworker, that friend, that future potential love interest has things that are against Jesus, has opinions that are against Jesus and his word, and voice them, someone that's rocky ground uh, is ashamed, backs down. There's no roots. There's nothing to hold. There's nothing to ground that faith. Doubts overcome. Doubts flood in. Start asking questions, wondering, doubting. I, uh, I'm currently reading a book by a famous atheist. Uh, it's kind of like an atheist apologetic. Uh, I thought it would be good to just kind of be rooted in, yeah, just kind of that side of argumentation and see... Um, yeah, just so I can, one, be more rooted in what I believe uh, and also be, to, be able to answer, to give a response if necessary. And I'm telling you, if I would have read this book years ago uh, before my roots got deeper, uh, it could have messed me up. It could have re- derailed my faith. Um, that's the importance of having deep roots. On the other hand, tribulation, persecution on account of the word could absolutely be internal. It can be inside God's word. Because let's be real, Jesus says some tough things in his word. Jesus says some really, really tough things in his word. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He says, lose your life for my sake and then you'll find it. The whole picture of baptism, we're having our our baptisms here in a few weeks. The whole picture of baptism is dying to yourself, dying to your old life and now raising to new life in Jesus, in his life. Jesus asks us for absolutely everything. For a heart that's rocky ground and a heart that's more emotion-based, based on a spiritual experience that was had, more selfish, more Jesus, what can you give me? The idea of you coming, making things right for me, me getting blessings in this life because of what you did, that sounds great. The idea of losing my life, the idea of sacrificing everything for you, for surrendering my entire life like you asked me to, that's too much for rocky ground. There's no roots. I... uh, As I was processing through that even this week, uh, I came up with a couple of questions. Um, And again, my hope is that today is a mirror. It's self-evaluation. It's reflection between you and the Lord. I have a couple of questions for you to just answer uh, to the Lord and to yourself. 
Number one, when you face persecution or opposition because of Jesus, do you stick with him? When you face opposition, persecution because of Jesus, do you stick with him? I, uh, I went back and forth all week if I was going to be a little bit more meddlesome, and I think I'm going to. Um, hypothetically, what if, it was, what if it was extreme persecution? Like, extreme. Like, the type of persecution that we don't really see here in the States, but people see overseas. What if it was extreme persecution? Like, life on the line type of persecution for Jesus. Would you stick with him? Um, that's one to kind of mess you up for the week to come. You're welcome. Um, number two, do you respond obediently when convicted of truths from God's word? Do you respond obediently when convicted of truths from God's word? The answer is that any of these are no, might be rocky ground, maybe. Number three, are you chasing emotional, spiritual experience? Is spiritual experience, those mountain high moments, is that the extent of your relationship with God? If you're being honest, uh, we take the students up to Hume Lake every summer. It's great. It's my favorite week of the year, ministry wise. Uh, I love Agape Tour too, but Agape just like destroys my body. Um, it's good for the soul, but I'm getting old. Um, Hume is my favorite week. It's awesome. Definitely like mountaintop high experiences, just spending time in God's word, spending time worshiping. Uh, it's an amazing week. Uh, again, as not the judger of soils or hearts, um, I, I think that some of our students, the extent of their relationship with Jesus might just be that Hume Lake experience. Like there's a week that I follow Jesus because it feels good for me. Uh, outside of that, I don't really have any roots um, I don't want to do any of the hard stuff, but I really like that week at Hume. Um, I think that's a question for all of us to ask. Are we just, are we just going from that one experience to the next to the next uh, without any roots? Um, if you've had some cool spiritual experiences, I don't want to like talk bad about those. I think those are great. They're awesome. The Lord gives us those uh, as encouragement, as inspiration. Uh, we feel his closeness when we have those moments. They're amazing. I don't want to like bag on those at all. However, it can't be the extent, right? So if you need roots, if you're just sitting there being real with yourself and saying, I don't know, I might be pretty shallow. I might not have very many deep roots. My ask is, man, just uh, how can we get deeper roots? Um, just some s simple practical things is, man, getting a life group, getting an e-group, get mentored, get discipled. Um, most importantly, get into God's word. God's word is the, the thing that's going to give us roots. Um, study it, ask questions. Um, when the sun comes out, when that persecution and oppression comes because of God's word, because of who Jesus is, we need to have some deep roots. The third type of human heart is like soil with thorns. Go ahead and take a look at verse 7. Nice and quick. Other, the other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. That's it. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Again, the soil looks great on the surface. A seed goes down, is planted. The plant sprouts up. However, the thorn-bearing weeds come up along with the good plant. As the two grow together, they're competing for the same space. They're competing for the same space, and eventually, the thorns went out. Eventually, the thorns take up over the soil, and they choke out the plant, rendering the plant useless and fruitless. Um. 
Jesus explained down in verse 22, again, I don't think it takes a philosopher or biblical scholar to see where Jesus is going with this, but in verse 22, he explains, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Uh, This parable is recorded in both the Gospels of Mark and Luke as well, and I wanted to read you uh, Jesus' description of the soil with thorns in both of those accounts. I think it helps supplement and give us an even better picture of what Jesus is trying to say here. Mark 4, verses 18 to 19, it should be up here on the screen for you guys to read along, says this, and others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches And the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Luke 8, 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Uh, Again, just multiple ways of saying the same thing, but I think it gives us a, a good picture of what Jesus is trying to say here. As I was studying, I think it's interesting that 2,000 years ago, Jesus is is telling this story to a group of people, and he's telling them about this concept that seems very custom fit for us here in America today, right? The idea of the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the uh, other things of life coming in and choking out our lives and proving them unfruitful for the Lord sounds like a very modern concept. However, Jesus knew that this was a concept built in to the fabric of human hearts, right? He's telling this group 2,000 years ago the same thing, um, That kind of blew my mind because whenever I hear things like this, I just think of modern day like this is us. Um, But interesting to note, Jesus knew that this is built into who we are, into our hearts. Um, Again, I felt the weight of this passage this week. Um, I did. I, uh, I, I, uh, I view my role... You can tell I'm feeling the weight of it. Uh, I view my role as not as the one that's convicting or condemning, um, regardless of what other, whatever type of soil you may be. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter to me. I love for you and care for you the same way. Um, my job is not to convict or condemn. My job is to accurately open up God's word and communicate the truths that Jesus was trying to convey to his audience 2,000 years ago. Um, so therefore my job is not to sidestep over the tough things, um, that are in here. Um, so that being said, and because of my oversensitivity, I think, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read a question and I'm just going to use Jesus's words, right? I'm just going to reframe the exact words that Jesus said and frame it as a question to you, uh, as a source of self-evaluation and just, uh, just being real with yourself before the Lord. And the question is this. Are the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, taking over the space in your heart, and choking out the word of God in your life? Uh, Another disclaimer, I'm not the soil police, and I don't want to be. Didn't apply for the job. uh, Don't want it. Um, However, that being said, I I would venture to say uh, that there's probably more soil with thorns and even rocky ground for that matter, sitting in our churches on Sunday mornings than we'd care to admit. 
Uh, again, my hope is it's an internal mirror type of evaluation and not a binoculars type, type of evaluation. Uh, there are a few passages in Matthew uh, that kind of um, make this feel even a little bit more weighty for me. I read through uh, the book of Matthew just for like context as I was preparing. And uh, there's some awesome stuff in the book of Matthew. Um, but in particular, I was reading through the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Uh, three of my favorite chapters in the, in the Bible. Great. Chapter 5 might be my favorite chapter in the Bible. It's up there for sure. Chapter 7 might be my least favorite uh, chapter in the entire Bible. It's because there's some tough stuff. Jesus says some stuff in there that it's like, holy cow, he means business. He means absolute business. Um, I'm just going to look at one. I'm just going to look at one really quick. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 19, it should be up there on the screen. It says this, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, again, like I said, probably one of my least favorites just because it's hard to swallow. Um, but to be honest, I have no other way how to interpret a verse like that outside of pulling it together with the context of the parable of the soils. He even uses the same analogy. He uses the plant and the fruit bearing. The whole point, like we've been saying from the beginning of today, is that good soil produces good fruit. That's the whole point of what he's been trying to say. Uh, again, I ask for you, are the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for pleasures, the desires for other things, entering in and taking over the space in your heart and choking out the word of God in your life. The stakes could not be any higher. Um, I said the Lord's used this parable in my heart uh, multiple times. Uh, a few years back, uh, he kind of spoke to me and I remember having this moment of coming and saying, man, Lord, do I have roots do I have roots that was sustained? If I was to have to deal with, uh, when I have to deal with persecution, opposition because of your word, do I have deep enough roots to be able to withstand? Um, and as I've been studying, uh, I don't know, more recently, this, this concept of soil with thorns, um, I so desperately don't want to be choked out by the thorns that come in life. Again, Jesus knew even 2,000 years ago, this is built into our hearts. And so I ask us today, church, uh, are there thorns that are growing up, that are creeping into our hearts and our lives and going to choke out the good fruit um, that should be there, the good spiritual fruit that should be there? Um, how are we doing? I know this is kind of heavy. I know, I, I know, stick with me. Um, I have written here in my notes, uh, tell poop joke to lighten the mood. Um, I'm pretty sure that's just leftover from Camp ABF, so I'm going to spare you, okay? No, no poop jokes this morning. Although, I have noticed this. I have noticed in my years here at the church is that adults really are just like slightly more mature high schoolers, okay? Uh, it's, it's true. It's true. And high schoolers are just slightly more mature junior hires. And junior hires are just slightly less mature elementary kids. Um, it's just interesting. I don't know why it works that way, but that's how it works. That's how it works. Let's be real. All right, we good to go. Fourth type of human heart is like good soil. Fourth type of human heart is like good soil. Verse 8. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Good soil is not hard, it's not shallow, it's not thorn infested. 
On the contrary, good soil is soft. It's deep. It's clear for a good plant to grow. Inevitably, good soil produces good plants and good plants produce good fruit. It's interesting, I was studying it this past week uh, to kind of hear it, how the original audience would have heard this type of crop that would have been harvested. Uh, I learned that back then, during that time, uh, a single seed would have produced about five to eight seeds, right? So five-fold to eight-fold would have been the harvest. If they would have had a 10-fold crop, a 10-fold harvest, they would have been dancing. Like, that would have been incredible. Jesus here, in this parable, says that we should expect to see a crop of 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. They would have heard this and said, that is insanity, like, that's, that's crazy, the amount of fruit that would have come out. Again, it doesn't take uh, a philosopher to figure out where Jesus is going with this. Look down to verse 23. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. Plain and simple, good hearts inevitably produce good spiritual fruit, and they do so in abundance. Good hearts inevitably produce spiritual fruit in abundance. To summarize kind of what we've been talking, the true believer can't have a spiritual experience and then continue to live for themselves, continue to live how they've always lived. A true believer, when they have a genuine experience with the Lord and a genuine faith, there will be changes. Those changes are fruit. Those changes are fruit. Um, as I was preparing, I was kind of overwhelmed with the idea of like succinctly bringing a comprehensive um, like guide to spiritual fruit. Um, and so what I've done is uh, instead of like reading through a list, nobody wants to read through a list right now. Um, I don't want to read through a list right now. Uh, I've decided to just give you guys a little bit of homework. Um, and you can take it or not. You don't have to. Uh, no, homework never sounds fun, right? Um, but just continuing along in this, uh, yeah, just this place of just like genuine investigation of our own hearts and inventory of how we're doing with the Lord. Uh, my ask is that if you'd like uh, to just get before the Lord, uh, and I'm going to give you a couple of different passages to read through, and there's, there's, there's some lists in a couple of them of just spiritual fruit uh, as described by the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. Um, and so whenever you get a chance, go ahead and you can write these down, these passages now. Uh, and then when you get a chance, just kind of work through. Uh, man, and ask, Lord, how do I, do I produce this spiritual fruit in abundance? Uh, the passages are up on the screen. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, if you want to write that down. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Peter also addresses uh, some spiritual fruit in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. And then, like I said, the Sermon on the Mount was pretty, was pretty killer. I'd go and check that out. So a couple of thoughts on this. This is not a to-do list. Not a to-do list, um, but continuing an evaluation uh, God's word, the whole point of God's word, right, is using it as a mirror to our lives and seeing, seeing where we stack up. Um, you're not going to be perfect, okay? That's the, that's, I really want to emphasize that. Uh, I don't want to get into a good works 
uh, type of gospel. Works are not what save you, but you're not going to be perfect either. Um, the whole point, right, is the thought that a plant to sprout up, have incredibly deep roots, and produce an amazing amount of fruit immediately is just not going to happen, right? It's a process of taking time. Our entire lives, right, after we give and surrender our lives to the Lord, is growing down deeper roots and then producing fruit in abundance. So the idea that it's going to happen immediately uh, is just not true, Um. I like how in, in that second Peter passage, and my encouragement is if, as you go through those passages would not just be to read those little chunks, but to read kind of the entire chapter or the entire section. Um, in second Peter, uh, he talks about uh, having these fruit in increasing measure. Um, they should be increasing, right? These fruit in our lives should be increasing over time. Spiritual fruit is unmistakable. Spiritual fruit is unmistakable. You know it when you see it. Uh, last thing, we're just wrapping up here uh, in a second. Uh, again, one of the cool parts of my job is seeing those click moments for students, like I said earlier. Uh, and then to go on and to see them grow roots down deep uh, is really neat. And to see the fruit that is produced out of their lives. Uh, I think I've mentioned just how much I've enjoyed this current uh, graduating senior class. Uh, it's just been a really special year. Uh, one of the amazing things is just seeing the spiritual fruit in their hearts, um, seeing the very obvious spiritual fruit, seeing the boldness that comes, seeing how they, uh, man, just seeing how individual students do so good at just loving others uh, more and putting others before themselves. The humility uh, that's come out has been amazing. Uh, I've been doing this now, which is crazy, for like six years here at the church. Uh, and so now I can like, look back at students and like previous students that have come through. And uh, it's amazing to see the good soil that has come through uh, the student ministries. And absolutely, there's been, there's been rocky ground. There's been soil with thorns for sure that have come through. Um, but to look back and see the good soil, it's just crazy. It's unmistakable when you see that good soil. Uh, just even this past week, I was, the Lord brought to mind uh, this student who was dealing with so much abu like abuse stuff. And to see this supernatural spiritual fruit of forgiveness in the student's life, like it's unmistakable. Spiritual fruit in our lives when it's in abundance is unmistakable. Sitting out on the lake that day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was calling his followers to have hearts that were soft, that were humble, that were responsive to God's word, that were aware of the very real spiritual battle going on behind the scenes. God was calling, Jesus was calling those hearers to have hearts that were deep, that dug deep into God's word. Oh man, if we were a people that dove deeply, regularly into God's word, that would create roots that would make us unshakable. It wouldn't matter how hot the sun was, it'd make us unshakable. He was calling his, his followers to have hearts that were clear, free from competition. Again, even 2,000 years ago, he knew that the condition of our hearts is to long for the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures, and other things in life. If we could keep his kingdom our clear number one priority, man, how much fruit we would produce. Um, so in closing, I, uh, again, I told you I, I wrestled a lot this week. Um, and I felt like for a message like this, I just wanted to give you guys a quick chance to respond. Um, I've never done this before, um, but just, just wait on my heart. 
wanted to give you a chance to respond after hearing something like this. If you guys would close your eyes for me, that would be great. Um, there's one, there's something to responding. Uh, as we studied, even rocky ground, right, can have that spiritual experience. But if there's no follow-through, if there's no follow-up, if it doesn't cause roots to go down deep, what's the point of having the spiritual experience? Um, so there's just something to acknowledging when the Lord's doing something in our hearts. Um, so uh, as you've been just taking this, this evaluation, as, as we've just kind of been using this as a mirror uh, to the, what type of heart we actually have, um, if you've just been sitting in here and the Lord's been doing work on your heart, um, my ask is, is that you would just do something. If you're in here saying, man, my heart's been like the path. It's been like rocky ground. It's been like soil with thorns, and I want to be good soil. I have some cultivating of the soil of my heart that I need to do, uh, and I'm going to do something. Uh, I'd like for you in a moment, I'm going to have you just raise your hand. Um, and what that means by raising your hand is just acknowledging I want to be good soil. I want to cultivate the soil in my heart. And to this week, I'm going to do something about it. This week, I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to talk to one of the pastors. I'm going to talk to my life group leader. I'm going to talk to somebody that can start getting me on the right direction. So uh, if that's you this morning, uh, would you go ahead and just raise your hand? between you and God. Dear Lord, uh, God, just thank you for a chance in your word. Um, Lord, I pray I didn't mess it up too much. Um, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us. Um, Lord, we, uh, yeah, we just want to have hearts that are good soil, God. We want to have hearts that, that produce in abundance. Um, Lord, we want to follow after you with everything that we are. Um, Lord, I pray that we just continue to use your word as a mirror. I pray that you'd continue to just speak to our hearts, that we'd have soft hearts to just hearing uh, what you want from us, God. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for a chance to lift your name high. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, I know today is a little heavier of a day. Um, I was sensitive to that, and I felt that too. Um, but man, one of the things that stood out, even as I was thinking about like, man, how do I close this up is going back to what Chris said last week. He talked about the prodigal son and just what a, an amazing picture it is, right? The prodigal son comes back, falls on his feet, says, uh, father, I just want to like, I'm back. I'm back. Here I am. And the father's response is just open arms. Didn't even need to hear the story, right? Didn't need to hear a thing. Uh, that's the God, that's the Father that knows and loves us and wants each and every one of our hearts. Um, and I think, man, that is such a good thought, even in light of the heaviness of today. Man, what a cool reminder. Uh, there's going to be some people up here to pray. Uh, if you want prayer on what we talked about today or anything, we'd love to pray for you. And again, if you want to interact with about this stuff, uh, Pastor John, myself, we'd love to this week. Uh, feel free to give us a call, shoot us an email or stop by. We'd love to. Have a wonderful Sunday. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.